Welcome to Europe Canada Community, a place where you can learn and laugh together on your journey to Europe. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast. So today, hey everybody, it's been really great to um, you know hear your updates, and it is amazing to me. I mean, to be honest, you know, I know how hard it is to um, raise funds and to do all of the work that it is, and particularly the first time out when you have such a large amount to try to raise at one time. And I just sit back in amazement at what God is doing. I just sit back in amazement knowing that the stories are that it's harder, it's this, it's more difficult, and all of those things are true. And yet here you are. And yet here you are called of God. Here you are. Um, some of you at 85%, that's just crazy. You're almost to 80. You're almost... And, it is just amazing to me to watch how God does it, how God places um, us in the hearts of others um, so that they believe in us, pray for us, support us, and um, set us free to do what it is God has called us to do. And it's, it's really humbling and it's really thrilling to sit back and just see him just do it over and over. It's, it's, it never stops. It never gets old. It never stops being a thrill. So let me pull up our... PowerPoint, and if you don't mind, let's see here, let's do this, live show, play from the It was really intimidating. I was in a, um, I was doing a conference in Segovia, Spain, just this last um, little bit, and uh, for using the disc materials, and it was really fun. We had a great time, but I have to say, um, you know, it was with the, the folks from IMM, and they're all technical people. They're really amazing. And so, you know, one of the young guys, I think he's like 25, and he says, hey, how would you like to have like an appointment so I can help you clean up your Mac? Because <laughs> I'm not real technological. And he says, I can see that you have four versions of Microsoft Office on your machine. Like, how do you see that? No, but anyway, it was pretty hilarious and uh, did have some great opportunities to be mentored and I loved it. It was just really fantastic. So bear with me. I know all of you would probably be doing this a little better, but we're going to just buzz through. In the past, what we have done is we've talked about spiritual disciplines, but we did it over like a period of four weeks. So do not worry. Do not have fear. We're not going to try to do... Um, four weeks worth of material and um, challenge and opportunity all in today. But um, one of the things that I found most important uh, as we talk about spiritual disciplines in the missionary life is how do we live that life? How do we find room? How do we find space? How does all of that happen so that we don't end up in uh, being spiritually unhealthy or we don't end up being um, absolutely trying to serve out of an empty well, because nobody wants to do that. So we talk about it as a with God life. Um, let me click on that, sorry, here we go. All right, so we relate to God based on what we know about him and what we believe to be true about him. And there is a variety of things that, that instruct us and have formed us to where we are now some of that is has been by our own culture, and certainly you will see that when you are in, in Europe or in your new culture. Some of you have already lived this before, and you go, I can't believe they think that about God, because their culture has instructed them um, that that's how God is. So culture forms a part of what we believe to be true about God. It depends on how our families raised us, you know. Um, whether we were raised in a shame-based family or we were raised in an unconditional love-based family, our church has trained us and taught us to believe certain things about God. Um, we've had some training. Many of you have been um, through Bible school. Some of you have been to seminary. You have had a whole variety of training that has um, grown your faith and your understanding of what of, and who God is. Emotional trauma also kind of uh, can really impact what we feel about God, maybe things that um, impact our faith or our trust. And um, so moving through that and getting in a healthy way through past emotional trauma is really important for us to have a healthy spiritual life as well. 
modeling both the good and the bad of it by those that we respect from the point that we are 12 years of age, those who model things that are um, important to us affect us and they change us. So both the good modeling and the bad modeling also affects what we believe to be true about God. So the Westminster um, Confession of 1647 says the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I love that. I love that confession. That what we're all about is that our lives are to glorify God and we are to enjoy him forever. We're not slaves, as the Bible says, but he has called us friends. We are to enjoy him just as we enjoy our friendships and our relationships. And I, I love that. We're serving God and partnering with him and his divine mission. That's our delight. But it's not the fundamental reason that we, that we live. We live to glorify him and we live to enjoy him forever. But it's not, but our serving him is not the fundamental reason that we live. Life for God ultimately becomes life for the mission of God. And I would say in this generation, there is the greatest danger of all. And that is there is such passion, that's not a bad thing, but the passion to live for God as opposed to living life with God um, is a danger because it becomes living life for the mission of God. And that's not what God has ever intended for us. Living, um, living for God was never his desire. He always wanted to be with us. Somehow, somehow we've kind of come to believe that that's the fundamental reason. You know, it's just it's the serving. And see, serving God is not the problem. That's what we want to do. That's, that flows out of our love relationship with him. We get to partner with him, and it's just really awesome. But there is a beautiful thread of God's pursuit of us, beginning in Genesis that goes all the way through Revelation to the very final pages. It's about God being with us. And a for-God life ultimately becomes life for the mission of God. The mission of God then becomes the idol, and it becomes the driver. We mistakenly believe that we will be more significant to God the more we do for him. And so it begins to distort how we believe that God sees us. It, um, what we come to believe that our significance is based on, on, on what we do and not our being. Our activity, our striving, performing, perfectionism, those are all signs of that living for God instead of living with him. Guilt, and then some more activity. <laughs> and then repeat, more activity, striving, performing, perfectionism, guilt. And then we start that cycle all over again. We become weary in our spiritual life and in our spiritual doing. And it leaves us often for no time for recovery, rest, or reflection. We have difficulty saying no because we believe that this is a God thing. How could I say no? This is significant. And if I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. So we have difficulty being able to guard the margin in our life. So we also then don't have recovery and we don't have rest because we're thinking about what we should be doing for God because our life is being driven again by having made the mission of God, um, which is very significant, but it is never to be the driver of our life. A living a for God life does not fill your soul. Living a with God life will. Filling your soul is the time that we spend with God, where we're with him in the marketplace, depending, it doesn't matter where we are, we're living that life, we're living that mission, we're fulfilling his call upon our life with him, we're doing it with him, that fills our soul, rather than doing it for him and saying, I'm just a little bit too busy, God, I'm doing your stuff, I don't have time for you. So our devotional life, well, it kind of starts to look a little bit like that, you know, because um, we live for a poor God life, it leaves us kind of longing for time with God. Our lives are so busy doing that our devotional life looks a little more like hummingbirds flying to the feeder and off again. You know, um, when we lived in the States for um, a few years, 
I love to garden and I am, you know, I guess I'm old, you know, this is what happens when you get old and then you love birds. I don't know. It doesn't seem to happen early in life. It seems to be something's kind of genetic. But anyway, I loved having the birds. I think I had something like 60 some different species that would come and visit in my backyard. So I planted all kinds of lovely things for them. They loved it. And the hummingbirds, we have a lot of hummingbirds in the Northwest. And um, I had all kinds of feeders. And I remember one day being in the kitchen and just outside the kitchen window I had this lovely feeder and, and, the, and this beautiful hummingbird flew in and I was just enjoying watching him. And all of a sudden he, he's getting ready to take off again. And my heart was just like, oh, oh no, don't leave. I, I'm enjoying you, don't leave. You know, and I think, you know, God just kind of impressed upon me that how often is our devotional life just like that? We become flying in like hummingbirds and we sip from the feeder and we get the sugar water and then off we go again. And, um, and God is saying, you know, come and, and, and suck with me, come and be with me and not just grab what you need and take off again. You know, hummingbirds only feed on the sucrose to keep them going. That's not what really um, nurtures them. That's not what they really need. It's only because they burn so many calories in the way that they, um, they fly so when they're taking nectar, all of that is simply to fuel those little bodies so that they can eat the protein, the insects. That's their real food. And so when we live our life for God and have that, um, what I like to call McDevos, you know, they're kind of like uh, drive-through devos that we have in the morning devotional life, you know, that gets so, because our life gets so frenetic. We're like those hummingbirds that just kind of come in, they get what they need, they get the sugar water and just kind of keep going, but they never get the true food that they need that truly nurtures their soul. So um, living a life for God will leave you without time to attend to your soul. And you find yourself sometimes maybe trying to bring spiritual life to others from a well that is empty. And this, you know, surely is not what God has in mind for us. That's not the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. He came to give us life with him. So let's talk. Let's talk about this. I would love to have a little bit of discussion here. Does this, um, is this kind of life of living life for God and living life as, as candidate missionaries and and the, the craziness, there's a certain element of just scatteredness and craziness that comes with that. And have you been able to find balance in this life, the life where you are? And if you have, how have you done it? And, and also let me ask, you know, if there, will anything have to change in your present life to make your European life with Jesus different? And what would you might anticipate that to be? So there's, there's, there's a couple of questions for you to respond to. So have you found balance? And if you have, how have you done it? And if you, um, do you anticipate any kind of change in your living life with Jesus in Europe? Will you anticipate that to be anything different? So I would love for you to, um, um, come on and, Let's take a look and, and, um, and let's examine this a little bit together. Love to have some discussion. So dive in and pop up on, your, um, on our screens if you can so we can see you. It would be really helpful. And if not, just talk to us. Hey, Tom. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, no, I haven't found, uh, I think that's been one of the hardest parts of this. Um, and I know everyone kind of comes from a different background and all that. And for us, I, I was a, a youth pastor for about six years before we made this transition. So, so much of my devotional life time spent with God was, you know, tied to what I was teaching or tied to what I was uh, preparing for, you know, in lessons or messages, things like that. And, you know, there's super spiritual people that will say that you shouldn't do that. But at that for me, that's what just worked. Like, I, you know, like I just felt like I, I a lot of I drew from that from that well. And 
now that you know I have one or two messages that I share every single Sunday, you know, it's changed a lot, and it's you know I I started to see the the cracks in 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 my personal walk with Jesus just with that just just I don't know I don't know if anyone resonates with that, but. Thanks for that. Thanks for being really honest, because I think a lot of us find ourselves racing around like that. And and there's the irregularity of your of your schedule also, right? You don't have every day being the same, or you don't have, well, on Wednesdays I have this, and on Thursdays I have that. Where you have an order to your life, it gets it's never the same two weeks in a row. At least that's kind of how it is with, with us when we itinerate. So it makes it more challenging. So I really appreciate you talking about that. Is there anybody else who wants to dive in on that? Or find if there's some way that you've been able to, um, you know, find a, a richer life with God in the midst of itineration, in the midst of deputation? Right. What about uh, how you anticipate things, or do, does anybody anti anticipate any change from what you're doing now in terms of your your faith walk with God? Do you anticipate that changing? Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I. Uh, one thing that has really helped me in in Spain, I was in the habit of. of um, going out for a walk every day and I'd use that as a prayer walk and uh, I just I just really valued that time with the Lord I would walk to uh, uh, 20 minutes to the gym and then have time in the gym and then 20 minutes back and so that just was really really helpful for me and making the change from from Spain here to the, the States has been it's a whole different rhythm and you have to find a different route and so it, it's taken me up until just about now to finally find a, a place that I, I can do that at. And it, it's been a real boost to me. So uh, I, I just really value that, that time of, of being able. I'm not able to do it every day necessarily, but uh, I'm, I'm getting back into the rhythm that I had with it in Spain. So that's been really helpful. Mm -hmm. So having something that just just kind of an anchor then you know for you it's walking you know or having something that is a that you can kind of move with you take with you um right. has been helpful yeah definitely that's good i i thought maybe having a dog you know that that would be great because i take her out for walks several times a day and uh -huh. um, you know or craig and i share the responsibility when he's here but um take her out but i'm always I'm always watching her make, you know, I'm always watching for cars. I'm watching for this. I'm watching for that. And I find that my prayer life gets pretty distracted. So I think <laughs> walking without the dog is probably a better deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Okay. Okay. Anybody else want to share a comment? Uh, hi, Dana. Yes. Sorry, you can't uh, see me. I can't seem to figure it out here. But um, first of all, thank you so much for sharing uh, that. I, I like the hummingbird um, example. Um, I, I I thought of two things. Um, maybe a slightly not a different take, but but um, just the idea of uh, you know Paul talks about praying without ceasing. Um, and so it's, it, it's very interesting just the, the idea of, of a, uh, like a, like, you know, a, a 15, 20 minute devotional time. Um, it, it's just interesting to me, or, you know, however long, um, when it just talks about praying without ceasing and things and it, because similar to what you're saying, it can become like a checklist, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, all right, well, I cleaned the bathroom, uh, you know, I, I, uh, put the clothes in the dryer. I did my devotion. I got to, you know, it's just like, that's not, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's not a checklist, you know, and, and we don't, I don't checklist that with my wife. Let's see. I kissed her on the cheek this morning. Okay, good. Um, I, you know, it's, it's not like that. And so, um, I think we're, whenever you can find time to spend with the Lord, I do, a, I, 
every time I mow the lawn, I, I pray just because mm -hmm. it's, you know, I'm out there for 25 minutes and that's kind of, it, it's just, it's a good time for me. It's just kinda, But also riding in the car, I, I like sports talk radio, but there's sometimes let's turn it off and let's talk with the Lord. And, um, and so I think that that's part of living with that, uh, like a little bit of what you're saying, I think. Um, and then secondly, uh, modeling it for our kids as well. Um, we've started something, I, I don't know how familiar you guys are with it. It's called SOAP, uh, S-O-A-P, where you, um, you take a, a, well, we take just one chapter. Uh, for instance, we just did, uh, Daniel six, uh, Daniel and the lion's den and, um, Everybody, uh, all of our, we have three girls. They are uh, 13, 10, and nine. And we all read it to ourselves. And then we write our soap down, which is S is scripture. And so it's the one scripture that popped out to us. O is observation. Um, what did we observe about the story or the, or the verse? A is application. How can we apply it to our life? And then P is prayer. And so we write down a prayer. So all five of us write down separately our soap for that chapter. Um, and then we share it and we go, you know, smallest to biggest. And so, you know, Juliet, our nine year old starts and then I, uh, end it in case I need to clean something up, <laughs> you know? And so, but it teaches the girls too, you know, to, to look, you know, these aren't just like stories like fables or something, but like we can, you know, draw things from that. And so God, um, you know, we're, I, I guess we're just teaching our kids how to, um, I guess dissect scripture if you want to say it like that or 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 look at like what God is what is God showing them? What is God telling them? And it's and it's interesting because all many times all five of us took a different scripture, took a different verse, took a different interpretation of it. And so it's just teaching them that God is, you know, wants to show you something. And so uh listen to that. And so um, you know, kind of showing how we walk with God in that. And so we just, we found that when we were traveling, our kids weren't getting, you know, consistent teaching all the time because there wasn't children's church or the service was different or their daddy was preaching over and over again. <laughs> Same sermon. And so, um, so we just, we kind of took it upon ourselves that during this crazy time, we needed to establish a routine with not only us, but with them in our devotional life. And so... We still do it outside of that, but this way that they have it too. That's really great. I think um, for us as missionaries, you know, I have we have three children. Um, they're obviously all adults now, but um, when they were growing up, we did devotional times. I love this aspect actually. It's almost like a simple, almost um, lexio divina, you know, but one that kids can participate in. I really like it. I love the format of it, and I. Um, but I think that we, one of the things that I regret, I just have to be really open here, and that is that, you know, it was so easy once the kids went off to school to really have that devotional time, to have that time of prayer, that time of scripture. And I feel that I didn't model as much, that my kids didn't, you know, see me reading and studying and, you know, praying. They didn't see that. So that's one thing I like to encourage parents is to not put all of that, you know, where you have just your devotional time. But also, um, you know, do some of your time, you know, whether it's study or whether it's prayer or whatever it is that your kids are aware that you're doing that. They when they're at school, of course, they don't they don't know. And they, you know, they assume you're maybe you're doing it. I don't know. But I think that um, it's important to model as well. So I try to encourage parents to remember that even though their kids are at school, when their kids are at school, they don't get to see their parents doing um, living that part of their life, that intimate life with God. And I think it's important to model too. So this is a great way. I think that's awesome. Thanks for sharing it. Mm -hmm. Anybody else have a comment or a suggestion or something that's worked for you or any anticipation you have for what might change for you when you get to Europe? Hi, Amanda. Hey. Hi. Um, kind of just like with what you just said, I'm encouraged um, that you said that because I so many times feel like I'm doing myself an injustice when I'm reading my Bible while my kids are playing and being loud and um, you know sometimes that's my only time that I get to sit down is in the mornings when they're watching cartoons or you know just still playing because they're up and out of bright and early in the morning um, 
But it's been really sweet because just this week, while I'm reading my Bible, Carter, you know, Addie's playing, but Carter will go and grab his Bible and just start flipping through it. And I think me and Kenan have, have been modeling that without even realizing it. Um, but on the other hand, I do realize that I do need the intimate alone time with the Lord. And for me, coming to the realization that I'm only going to get that time when I wake up early. And of course, in this season, it is so hard to do because we're so tired. Um, but also just making the most of uh, my free time. So my kids nap every afternoon. And during that nap time, I'm so easily ready to finish the, doing the dishes or work on itineration stuff because it's my only time to be alone. Um, but also realizing that sometimes I need to take those afternoons and just be with the Lord. Um, because we do run on empty so often, I feel like, and, um, you know, nap time is, is easy to just want to get things done. I know it's like, I don't have kids around, but, but really realizing that I need to spend these couple hours with the Lord or even just half of that time. Um, and Kenan and I have been really challenged lately in um, our prayer life and, um, fasting. Um, we've been trying to fast once a week and, um, We've actually seen some real fruit from it, not only getting closer to the Lord, but we've kind of seen this direct correlation with our support. Um, just really depending on the Lord and fasting once a week um, has really it's done something for me and Kenan um, spiritually and um, with our fundraising efforts. So yeah, I encourage you to fast if um, you feel like the Lord would lead you to do that. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks for sharing that. That's great. And um, yeah, you, you do need both, don't you? You need when you've got young kids, you know, um, they it's good for them to see you, you know, with your Bible. It's good for them to see you praying. It's not that we're doing it as a show, but that modeling aspect. But we do have to have that time. It's really like non-interrupted. And um, that's hard to do when you're a parent of, of young kids. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks. Thanks so much for that. Anybody else want to chime in? Go back. Um, I have to make my little go to meeting. Then I cannot shrink over here. All right, there we go. Okay, so, so there will be some temptations for us as we get into our new environment. You know, that maybe number one might be a new culture. You know, when you first arrive, and some of you experienced this, no one is paying attention to you, no one's valuing you, no one is holding up a mirror saying how great you are, and most of them are dismissing your message. <laughs> so um, your deputation culture is you're on stage, you're amazingly committed and honored, and hey, you must, you know, um, you spend your time just convincing everybody about how great you are and how significant it is that you are going so that they will support you. You do this for months, and there's a real temptation to feel this kind of almost imposter syndrome, right? Um, and then when you hit Europe, you get to this new culture, and again, there's nobody paying attention to you, no one's valuing you, they're discounting your message. And so there's a temptation to do rather than to be. There's a temptation, that's how we, that's how we resolve that, is, is, to, um, is to get to activity. Temptation number two might be that you're in language study and the field so needs you. They have been waiting for you to land. They can't wait for you to arrive. And there's so many things to do. So it seems really crazy to just, you know, be doing language study when you could be doing all that really important God stuff because it is really important God stuff. And so trying to find that kind of a balance on saying, but for a period of time, I have to manage my, I have to manage everything. I have to manage how much work I can do and do language and where my focus has to be. Um, there's always a temptation and I think no matter what stage of life you're in or what stage you are in, in missions, and that is that there's so much that needs to be done. And if you don't do it, nobody will. And so there has to be a sense, that guiding center within you that helps you to be able to call um, fair or foul. <laughs> Yes, I can do that. No, I can't do that. That's over the top, and I can't do that. 
um, because that will be part of your life for all the years that you are in missions. There's always more to do. And if you don't do it, it's true, no one else will. So it's really um, placing before God and having that center within you that really helps you to be able to, um, to navigate that because that will be constant and you'll find yourself in that, in that whole thing of, you know, kind of the, that McDevo's time, you know, that drive through devotional time thinking, well, it just won't always be that like this. It's just like this for now. And then next week there's something else. And then the week after that, there's always something else. We really have to choose to be driven by our spiritual center rather than the need to do and living a for God life in order to please God. Okay. Whoops. Sorry. Go back here. Okay. So um, God invites us to be with him and to live that life with him. Instead of us just hanging out in the, you know, at the bird feeder and taking off, he just wants to hold us. He wants to be with us. He wants us to bring him into our lives. Where Jesus comes with us to work, Jesus comes with us on the bus, Jesus comes with us in the car. And um, we are, um, I, I, I love the story of um, Brother Lawrence and how he wanted to experience the presence of God in every moment of the day. And he was a, you know, a pot scrubber, you know, in the monastery. And he said it just was so defeating to him to realize that so very few seconds would go by and his diversion, his mind was already diverted. And he, he worked at it for 10 years, but he, living in a monastery, was able to actually make every day of his life be one where his, he, was, he was one, he felt that he was experiencing the presence of God continuously. I think that most of us in the lives in which we live, that is pretty difficult, but the challenge certainly is out there for us to, um, to have that integrated life with God and not be having, well, this part of me is spiritual, and now I'm going to be going and doing my non-spiritual thing, so I'm, I'm changing this hat for this one and living that integrated life where God is a part of it. So what's a with God life? So it is that integrated life, that free of the frenzy from changing hats. It is... Um, a life in passionate partnership, but not performance. Have you ever caught yourself performing for God? I think that many times I have been very performance oriented for God. And, and it's not that it's not that I'm, I'm, I'm doing it so that I will have adulation. It's so that because I love him. And so I'm performing for him. He's not asking me to perform. He's want he wants to live this life together with me. And it's different. And, um, when you get caught in the performance mode, it can be really, really exhausting. In the same way, if we're performing in our, our lives, our true self is somewhat pushed down, isn't it? And um, we need to be genuine. We need to be not driven by um, a wrong image of who God is and what our life is like to be with him, but actually that passionate partnership rather than performance. It's a life lived from the inside out. That's the true authenticity, isn't it? and that attentive, attentiveness to God's presence. It's where you see God and work in your world. It's that attentiveness that helps you to find him in a crowd. He's with you in the marketplace. It's the nudge in your spirit to pray for a stranger or your colleague. It's seeing a bus go by and say, how many people on that bus know Christ? I pray for them, I pray for them all. That, you know, whatever it is that, but you feel God going with you in, in the mundane day-to-day -day things that you do. It's a life that's in balance and it's not driven by mission. Mission is what we do, but who we are in Christ, that's what's really important. That life, in when we live that life in balance of who we are in Christ, the mission will be cared for and our responsibility for our part of it will be cared for. It doesn't mean that we never, you know, we never stretch ourselves. That's not what I'm saying. But we, um, I, there are very few people that I've ever met <clears throat> in missions who I ever thought, boy, they could stretch a little more. I usually find it just the opposite, where people are pretty strung out because they're really overstretched. So I don't feel like I need to really give the total balance on that theology part of that. But if we're living that life in balance, that true life, that life with God in balance, 
um, the mission will be cared for and we will be responding to his Holy Spirit to our responsibilities to that mission, but we will not be driven by it. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and I will give you rest. He says, you know, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When I look at missions and I look at missionaries and how we serve and the passion that we have, I find it difficult sometimes to find, say, and you find rest for your souls where? You know, because people are working so hard and they're pushing themselves so hard. Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. I'm gentle and I'm humble and you will find rest for your souls. Yes, the yoke is there for a purpose, but it's, it's, uh, it's easy. And the burden is light. <clears throat> I just picture this um, great dog who's in training for um, for, the, for the blind. And um, I saw a program one time um, a long, many years ago, and I, I really, truly was impressed by it. They were interviewing a young blind woman, and she had a seeing-eye dog with her. So they were asking her about her life and all of those kinds of things and how she worked with her dog and, and all of that. And... Um, and they asked her, well, what does your dog do at home? You know, I mean, you know, I have a lab at home and that lab wants to run around, chase balls and be crazy and do stuff. You know, I mean, what does your dog do? And she said, well, as soon as I take the harness off my dog, my dog is no longer working. He knows that he's working when he has the harness on. And so to demonstrate that, she, this beautiful dog that's just laying right at her feet, right, just waiting for her every move, you know, she take, reaches down takes the harness off, and the dog gets up, goes and checks out the cameraman, goes out and smells the hose, and he's just like trapping all over the, all this, all over this, the platform, you know? And then um, she calls him back, puts the harness on, dog immediately knows exactly what he's supposed to be doing. And I think that for us, that's the kind of yoke that Jesus is talking about. It's one that brings us focus, and it's one that brings us purpose, but it's not one that's heavy. It's not one that ties us into heavy load. It's one that gives us that focus and that purpose, knowing that together in partnership with Christ, we're gonna accomplish great things. When we live our life with God, what we do then flows out of who we are in him. We quit performing for him, and instead we partner with him. So Psalm 63, 8 says, my soul clings hard to you. Your right hand upholds me. So how does our soul cling hard to God? I mean, I, I love that expression, right? The, the imagery for me, you know, I, I'm a visual person. So that the thought of my soul just clinging to Christ, you know, I love that image. And, and there his right hand is upholding me. But what is that like? What is it? How, how does that happen that our soul clings hard to God? It really, it's the use of spiritual disciplines. And like I said, we're not going to give you four weeks of spiritual disciplines here, but just an introduction to say, spiritual disciplines are, um, <clears throat> are discipline. They are, but they are not just more to-dos, things that you need to do. They're just more tools in your spiritual workbox, your toolbox. They are the means by which we live a with God life. There are means by which we practice the presence of God, by which we are aware of him wherever we are, by which our, our lives are, he, he's continually educating us and teaching us as, he, as we walk through life. Those are the means that we use. They help us align our lives with space for God, choosing a way of life that opens us up to the presence of God. So these are just tools that help us to do that. <clears throat> there's uh, spiritual disciplines call us to move beyond that surface living, you know, where you're just kind of trying to figure out how you're going to get through the day and um, to where we can move into a deeper living, into that abundant life that Jesus came to give us in him. They're best done right in the middle of our messy lives. There isn't a matter of doing spiritual disciplines, whether it's in prayer, whether it's in study, whether it's... Um, in fasting, there's all kind of, you know, a whole variety of tools that we can that we can use, but they're best done right in the middle of our messy lives. 
it's not about well, when I get my life really together, then I'll invite God into the middle of it. Again, that's that performance thing that, you know, once I get it all really nice and tidy, we end up being kind of like, um, you know, Adam and Eve who, you know, are hiding from God because it's not, they have, uh, they have just blown it. They've made a, they've made a huge error. And um, so they are hiding from God. And Adam says, well, you know, I'm hiding and, and God says, well, why are you hiding? He says, well, you know, cause I'm naked now, you know, God had made him and probably seen him naked before. I don't think that was going to be any great surprise for God, but <clears throat> we tend to hide from God. Excuse me. We tend to hide from God when our lives aren't perfect. And especially if we're struggling, often we tend to hide from God. You know, Jesus said to the woman at the well, he said, you know, um, it kind of doesn't matter where, you know, which style of worship or what kind of worship, what matters is um, that what the Father is searching for is worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's kind of like bare naked worship. That's what I call bare naked worship. It's like it's inviting God into the middle of the mess and saying, you know, we're working on this, you and me together, God, you know this anyway, it's really no surprise, but I don't play hide and seek and I don't perform for you, not in my prayer life, not in my study life, not in whatever it is. Um, I just invite him right into the, right into the middle of the mess. There's a bit of tension here because the spiritual disciplines are doing. So here I've been talking about not so much the doing, but the em emphasis on the being, the being with God. And uh, as opposed to living, you know, for God and the spiritual disciplines are definitely doing, but they're not about performance. And if we turn them into laws or legalism, then legalism is always the way of death, isn't it? So um, it's not about creating a, a life that we can't live. And then we just pile more guilt on ourselves or whatever. It's it isn't that it's we're not turning them into laws. These are ways of life not ways of death. They're opportunities to grow in God. So life with God is not a series of religious duties. Oh, that would be awful, wouldn't it? And um, where I live here in Spain, you see some people who have um, their life with God is their religious duties. It's what they do. And it's not who they are. And it's not who they are with him. And they really are doing the things, the religious things that they have. They don't know him. They've not yet even really met him. So though these disciplines will take effort, they are a grace for us. We're meant to bring that abundance of God into our lives. You know, and out of that comes spiritual formation and transformation. And, you know, we can't transform ourselves. That's the best part. That's what I really love about um, the disciplines is that as we exercise them, I can't do it enough so that I get transformed. That's not the point. God does the transformation. The spiritual transformation is the result of time in God's presence. The disciplines just give us opportunities of different ways of being with God so that he can transform us. So soul care is aligning our lives with space for God. Connecting with a culture, you know, requires not just strategy. It requires a person who's fully present, genuine to God, and to others in your life. And I think that um, when you are around people like that, and I'm sure you can think of some right now, or they're just fully present to you and you're with them, their brain isn't racing about the next thing they have to do. They're fully present in the moment with you. And they're genuine to God. They're, he's in their messy part of their life. They're, they're not trying to perform for him. And they are genuine to others in their life. They're humble and willing to just live and yet you just see the sparkling something that is inside of them. When you are around someone like that, you say, I want to be, what is it they have? What is it, what is it in their life that they have? I want that. I desire that. I want, I want people to see Christ in me in the way that I'm seeing Christ in that person. The easiest way to end your mission in exhaustion, burnout, bitterness is to not attend to your soul. Do not attend to your soul. Henry Nouwen is one of my favorite writers, and he writes that Christian leaders 
this is in uh, his book called In the Name of Jesus, which he was a, um, I believe the conference type thing that he gave for Christian leaders. And if, if you haven't read it, I really recommend it. It's a skinny little book and it'll just knock your socks off. Um, Christian leaders cannot simply be persons who have well-informed opinions about the burning issues of our day. The question is not about who pays attention to us, how much we're going to accomplish, or what our results are. Rather, the real question is, are you in love with Jesus? That's really the bottom line, isn't it? If our passion is for is loving Christ, then that passion spills out into and all over the culture and the people that he's called us to. If we're in love with Jesus, that love spills out within our families and to our neighbors and to all over this amazing world that God has allowed us to be part of. Um, I'm sure that some of you here are very familiar with the spiritual disciplines, but there's those of you who may not be. I grew up in a very um, amazing, spiritually I should say, um, after I came to Christ in my, uh, in my early 20s, um, I attended a church that was very missions-minded at one time. It was the number one missions-giving church in the entire nation. So it was a really on-fire church, very exciting time to be a part and yet I don't remember spiritual disciplines ever having been a part of that church or other churches that I was a part of. These were things that came to me later in life. But um, so I, I don't assume that people are familiar with them. Um, so there are some of you who may not have had that opportunity to be introduced. These are three really good, stood the test of time kind of sources for you. Um, some of you may have already read them. Um, you may not have. Some are, there's so many now that have been written, but there's probably um, some really great ones out there that are fairly recent. And actually, if you've discovered some really great devotional sources, I would love to have you just post those titles and authors on the Facebook page so that we can gather a great resource page to offer. Um, you know, for when you get those Visa gift cards in the mail and things like that, you can you know do a fresh download for your Kindle and um, get something that will challenge you in your in your growth and your walking and living your with God life instead of a for God life. So I'd love to have any comments or questions or suggestions, whatever you feel, um, before we close our out together. Hey. Um. <laughs> Yeah, something I wanted to share just goes a lot along with what you said. Um, and it was, and it literally was just a wonderful gift that the Lord gave me. Um, in the beginning of our time in Uganda, uh, I got a hold of this book. I just posted it. It's called The Character of Leadership by Jeff Bjorg. Org. I actually don't even know how you say his last name. Um, but in the beginning of that book, um, it's something that was really freeing. And I know it's definitely something that we can really get caught up in. Um, Especially as like you know, most of us would definitely put ourselves in that, you know, leadership or you know, that you know the position of a leader. Um, but we can get really caught up in all of what needs to be done, especially for a lot of people that put themselves in the task-oriented situation. Um, and then you can even imagine in, in the situation that we were in. You know, we were living in a very small village in Western Uganda, surrounded by poverty. And you, you know, and we're just like, you know, oh my goodness, you know, what am I gonna do? Like, oh, there's so much to be done. And it, it doesn't matter where you are, even in the U.S., you can get wrapped up in that. Um, and there's this expectation that we put ourselves on. There was something in this, in the beginning of this book, with, you know, kind of introduction going into it, where, um, but the whole point is that he said it like this. It was like, and you know, and you can kind of fill in the blank with whatever, you know, whatever you're finding yourself in. Uh, you know, and I'll fill in the blank for ourselves where, you know, a lot of times we put ourselves in the, it's, you know, it's not about like what the Sassers are going to do for Bosnia and Herzegovina. And most of the time that's what we say, you know, like, God, you have us here, you called us here, you know, what is it that you want us to do here? Like, how are we going to affect Bosnia and Herzegovina? But it's more like God sent us there for Bosnia and Herzegovina to affect us. Um, you know, it, we're all on a journey with the Lord, and 
and you know, God's purpose for each and every one of us is to become more like him. You know, and he puts us in certain situations and in scenarios or, you know, circumstances. And he uses that to make us more like him. You know, I don't know if I'm making sense. And, you know, it, it wasn't what I, what I was going to do for this village in Uganda. It was how God was going to use that to make me more like him. Now, and once we can, I, I got that in my heart, like it was so freeing because I was putting on this heavy, I was putting on this heavy yoke, this heavy burden of this expectation. And like, I have to, I have to change this place. <laughs> and it was like, no, it's how this place is going to change me to be more like him. And as I become more like him, how could I not change this place? But it was just like changing that focus was so freeing. And, um, and I just, and that heavy load and, you know, God's that, that easy yoke, like you were saying, like just really, and I really was able to just focus. And then, and even then, like the Lord just said, you know, saying, Katie, these are the boundaries that I'm setting for you. You know, this is what, this is what I want you to be in, you know, and not, and it, and it was a time where I was really able to plug into, you know, plug into the Lord and, we're, and then I was feeling those nudges and, you know, and him drawing me and saying, this is what I want you to focus on you know, and, you know, and leave these other things out. Like I, you know, we, I'm only one person. I can only do so much, but, you know, to have that healthy balance of, uh, you know, where he's saying, this is what I want you to be involved in. But again, just like focusing in on him and striving to be more like him was definitely, um, and anyways, I'm still drugged. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I make any sense. I'm still in fog, but, um, but I, that is what I wanted. That was something that really moved me. It really was a huge thing for me um, that helped me in that time of, I could have easily become spiritually unhealthy and physically unhealthy and overwhelmed, but God just brought that to me. And I, and I was able to walk that time with a, a light load on my shoulder. Um, and I hope that I can continue. So I, I'm constantly always trying to remind myself of that and not getting wrapped up in all of the craziness and just focusing in on, okay, Lord, how can I be more like you? Um, and in, in, in that affects the situations that you put me in. So that is it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. I think it is wonderful. What you're pointing to is that, is that God doesn't forget about us in this process. He doesn't call us out there, you know, like we're just his minions to go out and do. You know, he wants us to live this journey with him. He wants to change us. He wants to form us into his, into Christ's image. He wants to do that. So he's amazingly doing a whole bunch of things at once. And, yes. um, and it does actually takes the pressure off of performance, doesn't it? It does. It does. Because as I said, I was just like, I was overwhelmed. Like, I was just like, God, there's so much need here. Like, you know, and I was just like, what, how you, I know you got, you called me here to affect this and to make a difference, you know, but it was just like, he was like, hold on a second. I want you here because I want to make you more like me. <laughs> and in that process, you will naturally affect those things. How could you not, you know, but it was just taking the fo focus off of me and putting it back on him. So, you know, and I know it doesn't matter where anywhere in the world we're at. We, that's kind of our natural tendency is to do that. But, um, but I hope that, you know, once we get definitely onto our fields, wherever we're at, you know, just to, re you know, maybe just to remember this conversation or whenever you do start feeling that overwhelmed, like by all of that needs to be done and, um, and putting that pressure on us that God just throws us in these situations, you know, no matter where we're at to draw us to be more like him. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that is a freeing thing for sure. So. Absolutely. Good. Thanks so much for sharing that, Katie. That's awesome. Anybody else want to dive in to the discussion? Have something they want to share? Hey, Dana. Yeah. I like I like this discussion. I just wanted to throw a bit in just to tag on to what Katie was saying. I think one of the, the biggest lessons that I learned, and I think it took me too long, so if these guys can, can grab hold of it, um, Early on, it will keep you there longer and, and again, deeper uh, in the spiritual life. But it, it was that um, I was going to this new place to live. 
and that and to keep in mind it, it, what you said it's not just about the doing but it's the living so it's it's that not everything has to happen all at once it will happen but it's just like if you were moving anywhere it takes you time to adjust but that's also in the spirit realm too that getting into rhythms uh, is important also all the doing all the checklist is so um it's it has to be all these things have to be done but i don't know if i'm this makes sense but that i there was something in me that switched i think it was probably going into my second term um that i began to see that wow i i was so very busy and it looked so good on paper it looked so good in newsletters but yet um within me there was something that was lacking because i wasn't living and it, a weird thing that went along with that was that uh, I took I, I got rid of my watch which I know now we have cell phones I've shared this on previous discussions before so we're always kind of aware of time but I, I got rid of it because I wanted to be in the moment and to live in that moment and that was the same as it related to my devotional life that I wanted to be in that moment not just waiting to get to the next one um, and I wanted to live in this culture not just figured out so that I had something to say. I wanted to learn the language, not just um, not just because I had a proclamation to give, but because I wanted to know the heart of the, the people that God had, had sent me to. So it's all of those things together that that process of really living, I think that is gets deep down into our hearts so that we we truly come to not we we love the culture, we love the place where we are, but we love God even more for sending us there. And allowing us to have a part in where we are right there. So it's it's learning a new life. And, and that's a spiritual life too. So. That's excellent. That's excellent. I, and I liked to one of there you there's a lot of meat in what you just said. And I think that one of the things that really clicked with me is that whole thing of changing rhythms. You know, you may have found a rhythm that is working for you in a generation that was not a rhythm that worked for you when you were in ministry, you know, before. And when you get to Europe, there will be shifts and changes in those rhythms just because you're everything is going to change. And um, it's really easy to look back and go, well, wow, a month has gone by and I'm barely, you know, I'm barely connecting with God because it's so it seems so intense. I think when we first there's some like you say, there's so much to do instead of just living it getting it done, uh, you know. Anybody else want to dive on with us? Comments, suggestions, confessions? Okay. Well, I don't want to draw this out. I know that, that your time is precious to you. I just want to say I'm looking forward. Some of you all get to see the summer in Springfield. I'm looking forward to that, getting to see you face to face. That'll be wonderful. And for those of you who are you know, tying up these loose ends, it won't be long before you're going out, please let us know. And things that you're discovering, please feel free. You guys are the shyest group on this uh, Facebook page as far as posting some of your great ideas and your great things that um, you come up with. Because believe me, the things you're trying to figure out, everybody else is too. So um, when you come up with a good idea or the best way to do your suitcases or the best way to do whatever, um, and maybe even the best way to, to guard yourself and, and get the time that you need with God to come up with a great idea, post it. It's helpful to all of us. And um, the community that we build is, is only to uh, help us all to be better together. So um, I'm really... I'm really looking forward to seeing you here, some of you here in Europe fairly soon, and others of you I'll get to see in Springfield this summer. That's right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come really quickly for all of us. So uh, I just want to say thank you to Dana. This has been a great session today, a very important one. And, uh, yeah, please do, as Dana said, share resources, um, talk with one another, get one another's phone numbers, call each other, talk through this stuff. Um, you know, a big part of our training is not just to give information. <laughs> it is to get you guys connected. So we want you to keep doing that. Just know that we are your biggest fans and uh, we're here for you as well. So keep uh, emailing us if you have any questions or comments or anything like that. So 
Uh, we love you all, and I think uh, this will be our – this is it for now, but feel free if you – have not listened to some of the older podcasts that are out there, feel free to listen. Uh, this will hopefully continue, so that will be updated as we go. Um, but that we'll have a bit of a pause for right now as we lead into missionary training and renewal this summer. But if you need some ins inspiration, go back and listen to some others <laughs> that have been posted previously. So, Dana, any last, uh, any last thoughts or comments from you? Just uh, know that I am praying for you, continue to pray for you, and uh, every blessing on your lives, on your families, and uh, not that God will only meet your um, financial needs, but that he'll meet every need for, for each one of you, and um, you're all right up there on my prayer board, and uh, you'll be there for, for a while, so please, um, and also don't hesitate, um, you can private message me, you can email me, whatever, I'm available to you, so don't hesitate. Um, it is my delight to serve you in any way that I can. Yeah, and guys, she really means that. We've got some great people that love missionaries on this team and within our leadership team, and we're just thrilled to support you in whatever way we can. We're still in the process of developing things, so even though I may be moving on, there's still a commitment from our leadership to invest in you. So however we can help you, let us know. So God bless you. Have a great weekend, great district councils, and health and blessing to you all. We love you, and uh, we'll we'll see you soon, I hope. All right. All right. God bless you guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of Candidate Community. Be sure and check out other podcast episodes from your admissions on this channel. God bless, and have a great day.